Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. So if you're taking notes and if you have your book open, make sure you write that down. Love God, love people. And as we jump into today's word, I, I can't make this stuff up, you know. Really, the truth is we took a break right after week five. And the last two sermons couldn't come in at a perfect time during the season that we're in as a country. And um, you could call that a coincidence, but I think here for our nest, here for our church, I believe God did this on purpose. And he wanted us to hear those two words in timing for what was going to happen in the middle of those two messages. And I've been blessed to see God's hand and God in control always of what we do here at our church. And praise God that he runs this place. How many of you could say amen? amen. You know, I'm always saying this. And if you're here and you've been here for a while, you've heard me that, that what an amazing time we live in. How many of you have heard me say that before, right? What an amazing time we live in. With such great opportunities to share God's truth and to share God's love. And, and what a timing to, to share this code, Code 7. A new president-elect uh, with people pouring out feelings with reasons why they are for or even why they're against our new president-elect. And the truth is we all have the right to do whichever. And that's the truth. I'm not going to stand up here and say you don't have the right. We do. We, you have the right to voice and to be opinionated and to share whatever you want to share. Because I've found myself at times and at times past voicing my opinions and voicing them passionately. But I've also seen myself at times staying silent, listening, and praying for wisdom. You know, many times when I do that, people, whether it's during the season that we're in or at any time, people always ask me, you know, why don't you say anything? Why aren't you taking a stand? And why did you allow them to say that? And why did you do nothing? Are you going to do something? Are you going to do anything? And I've noticed that my silence can be confused for anger. My silence can be confused for, for ignorance, even fear. But, but truly, many times when I, when I choose to refrain from, from speaking a word, I'm actually thinking. I'm actually praying. I'm actually searching for wisdom I'm actually searching for understanding. I, I don't, I'm not telling you that I've mastered it and I've attained it all, but I do try to follow what James chapter 1 verse 19 says. And James 1.19 says to be quick to hear and slow to speak. Okay? And, and I try to live by that. Many times I fail. A lot of times I, I could give me a check mark for it. But I love how the message translation puts it. Listen to this. Lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, and let anger straggle along in the rear. God's righteousness does not grow from human anger. You know, I looked at, I look, I'm looking at the times that we're in, and I recognize this, that many people are, are speaking, but they're speaking before, before actually listening. They're getting angry before actually hearing it all first. And, and it's not just with the times that we're in, it's in everything in life. My goodness, do we live in a very touchy time, don't we? For everything. 
So I want us to remember this, that wherever you stand in arguments, wherever you stand in disagreements, and where, and where you stand right now in political parties, and if whatever happened with this election, wherever you stand, I want you to remember this, that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Amen. Ephesians 4.26 tells us that you can be angry and do not sin. And do not sin. It's bad when anger causes us to sin. You see, you can live in a man and human's anger, but that doesn't produce God's righteousness. Man's anger, human anger, does not produce righteousness of God. But you can also now show a godly anger, a righteous anger. And when you show a godly and a righteous anger, you actually show holiness and true righteousness of God. Two different anger displays. One that is from the flesh and one that is from the spirit. One that is of the flesh but the one that is of the spirit displays holiness of God. It, it actually reacts to point to something better. It actually speaks out to declare something holy. Jesus did that multiple times in his ministry. I love Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. In Proverbs it says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. I read this verse and I definitely understand this, that we live just a short period of time in the history of creation. Your time here is just a moment. Even if you live to break 100, your time, even breaking 100, is just for a moment. In the speck of all, of all eternity and of all creation. It's just a moment that we're here. It's just a short period of time. So, so with that understanding, it's my duty to first live this and then to speak it and teach it. And it's this, to guard your heart because it's going to determine what path you take. It's going to determine what course you go in life. Guard your heart above what? Above all else. Why do you think scripture says to guard your heart? Because it's desperately wicked already to start with. That's why we care, we're careful with what speaks into our life and pours into our hearts. So, so listen, church, listen, please, really, instead of being angry, instead of hating, instead of fighting, instead of bickering, how about we just, we just love? Anyone agree with me? What about if we just show some compassion as a church? How about choosing to forgive rather than keeping a grudge or getting even? Any grudge? People in here, any people, I'm just going to get even. I'm just going to show them. I'll wait until they see from me. Wait until I give them a call. How about you just slow your roll and pray and see if God fills you with some love for that person? How about that? Man, am I speaking to myself? What if we serve someone because for some reason they choose to spite us? So instead of spiting back, we're just going to serve them. We're going to choose a different S. We're going to serve you. What would happen if we tell someone and show them, hey, I love you. Hey, you're loved. You are, you are literally loved rather than proving how stupid they are. Because they probably already know how stupid they are. You guys know that, right? Sometimes people that act like that already know that they're dumb, they're stupid, they just, they just need something. And maybe the reason why they're acting like that is because they're, they're, they're desperately asking for help and for someone to show them love. So the only way they could do it is, well, I'm going to show them how angry I am and how mad I am and how stupid I can be. And all they needed was a hug and you'll see that they might break down in tears. 
All they needed was for you to tell them, you know what? Someone loves you. And they might look at you and say, you know why I'm so mad? Because I've never had someone tell me I love you. Or it's been years since someone has told me they love me. I, mean, I want to share a passage. It's in the book of Luke chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, put your eyes on verse 27. And as we read these words, don't just read them to read them. I pray that as you read them with me, that they sink into your soul. You know the word of God has the opportunity to, for three things, right, to happen in your life. When the word of God is spoken, it could land on, on three different kinds of grounds. It could land on a ground that thorns come up and choke it and it dies and it doesn't produce any fruit. It could land on a ground that is dry and the sun scorches it and it withers and it dies, does not produce any fruit. Or the third one is it could land on good fertile soil, a heart that is prepared to receive and when it lands there, it, it takes root and it goes deeply in the soul and then with time it begins to produce much fruit. Can I ask you a question today before we start today's message? What soil will you be today as we hear God's word? So as we get into this passage today, can you let it land on good soil today? You came in with a little bit of anger today. God says, did I not plan today's service out just for you? Did you come in with a little bit of bitterness today? God just winked at you from heaven, didn't he? He says, how are you doing today? I'm talking to you. You came in here with a lack of love today. Oh, and God is just has not stopped hugging you in love. Oh, man, isn't God so good? You're so upset about what happened on Tuesday. But I tell you today, you're going to be so blessed with what happens today on Sunday. Come on, man, there's a love for you. There's a love for you that's bigger than all this junk. Here we go, ready? In Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 36, let's read this. Let it, let it land on good soil. Let's just read through it. But to you, oh, before I read this, this is considered the greatest message ever preached, the longest message of Jesus ever recorded. It's actually called the Beatitudes, and I'm just taking a segment out of the Beatitudes message that he's giving, um, um, the Sermon on the Mount, forgive me. And I'm just going to teach it, I'm just going to read it to you, just a, a part of the Sermon on the Mount. Here we go. Chapter 627 says, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. Someone in the crowd just said, yeah, right. But if someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Verse 35 and 36 says, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and who are wicked. And you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Isn't that a great verse for today, a great passage for today? I, I read this and, and, and I guess my urge, my encouragement, my push to you, new life, is this. That there is a greater option. Always, there's always a greater option. And the greater option for today is choose love. 
Choose love in, during the time that we live in. Don't do... <laughs> however you say, whatever you say, however you act, and, and wherever and whenever you act, is it, is it based on love? Is it coming from love? Because in this passage, there is a greater option. And the best option is actually to choose love. And in choosing love, our, our agenda and our role, and it should pour genuinely from us, is to love God and to genuinely love people. Man, do you know that it takes more energy from you to stay bitter? It takes more strain, more stress from you to ignore someone? It's been proven it's been proven that if you live in the house with someone and all you do is ignore and ignore and ignore, it just builds up on you and builds up on you. And it's more stressful for your body. It gets you sick. There are, there are scientific proofs that it's not good for your health. I think God created us like that. He didn't want us to stay mad and bitter and bicker and filled with hatred. That's not the spirit of Christ. But he wants us to talk to one another and dialogue over these issues and he wants us to, to be healthy with one another because it does take more energy and it takes more out of us and from us when we are filled with hatred and bitterness and when we choose not to forgive. But man, if we could just learn how to talk and, and, be, and, and forgive and love on people and, and we forget sometimes what's happened to us. In, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it says, we love because he first loved us. Like, I didn't do anything at all for God to love me. God just said, I love you. And I said, well, why? Because I love you. I didn't have to act out one bit. I didn't, have to, I didn't have to do one thing off my checklist. As a matter of fact, he loved me at my most pitiful and shameful time of my life. And today, if you're here, I want you to know that he loves you even in the midst of your shame and in the midst of whatever dirt you might be feeling. Jesus actually loves you there. He's not waiting for you to get righteous and better and holy. He loves you now so that he can make you better, righteous, and holy. Some of us are like, well, I got to be holy and I got to be righteous and I got to do things right and then God will love me. Eh, total false. That's not the word of God. It's because of God's love that my life is transformed today. Love God and love people. I first have been loved. I'm going to read all of 1 John chapter 4, oh, not all of it, but a piece of it from verses 17 through 21. I'm going to read again from the... Message translation. Check out how it says it. He says, God is love. Let it fall on good soil, guys. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God, and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house. It becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment is one yet fully formed in love. Is not one yet fully formed in love. We, though, we're going to love. Love and be loved. First we were loved, now we love, because he loved us first. And if anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother and sister, thinking nothing of it. He is a liar. Man, is that not a powerful scripture? If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he cannot see? 
The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. Love God, love people. And then he ends with this. You've got to love both. Look at the person next to you and say, got to love both. Yeah. Hey, 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 let's practice. Just tell them I love you. I love you. There's three kinds of love. You could tell them I love you. Come here. You have an eros love. Husbands, you look at your wife and with that erotic love, you say, baby, I love you. <laughs> all right? That's good. Talk about that in the church. Be all exotic with your wife, man. Be all exotic with your husband, huh? Yes? Come on, you guys are scared or something, yeah? Go, go make some love and be loved. Come on, husbands and wives. And then number two, ready? There's a, there's a, a brother love, a phileo love, a, a Philadelphia brotherly love. So, so you guys could look at each other and you ladies could look at each other and say, I love you because there's a phileo love. All right? Good. There's an agape love. There's an unconditional love, huh? I love you. Some of you like, I'll go to my children and I'll tell them I love you, unconditional Come on, even for that person next to you, I love you. So you could say I love you to people and know that there's different kinds of loves in the Bible. We read this passage here in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 through 21, and I get this, man. We are loved, and we're to love God, we're to love people. And when we love people, when we love God, it's with, we don't do it with incentives, with, with hidden reasons. When I read this passage, I get this, man, that if God's love is in me, then it's his love that runs this house. If God's love is, is really in me, then God's love has to flow from me. It needs to be what scripture says here. It's maturing us. So we love God, and that includes loving people, and we got to do both. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's this work that the love of God is doing in us. I'm going to share a story with you. I'm driving with Nancy to go visit. Uh, well, who cares? We're just driving down a um, uh, uh, street down in, in Miami, and it's uh, Miller Drive. And um, it so happened that it was a, a red light, and there was traffic, and... Um, there was a little section where there's a shopping, this is a true story, it happened two weeks ago. There's a shopping center on the right-hand side, and you know how you, well, you're supposed to leave some space so if cars want to come in and out, uh, how many of you can't stand those people that just block it out? you got to love them anyways. <laughs> just like, <let's> go. <laughs> okay. so, so we're there, and um, you know, there's a gap, and we are the, we are, we're, we're just a righteous car. You know, we're just godly people. So we just like, left the gap so that if anyone wants to come cross through to go to the other lane that goes this way that's going um, west, and we were facing east. So there's a gap, and forgive me, there's a lady in front of me, and then there's a gap, so she actually is the holy and righteous car. And um, there's, a, there's a lady that's coming. And, and she couldn't get through because of this lady that was here. And she starts to beep at her, beep, 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 beep. And then she turns her car and she goes around the lady. And then she stops like right here. And she rolls down her window. And I'm looking at everything like, hey, baby. It's going to go down here. And she rolls down her window. And this lady, young, young, young girl, young lady, young girl, young woman, she begins to yell. What the bleeping bleep is your bleep? And you could see, you could hear, I mean, there's no bleeps. It's, it's being said. And what's your problem? She's, her hands are coming out of the windows. Her head is sticking out. She looked like she was on some sort of drug that was helping her act like that. And when I'm looking through, I look right in front of me, and I notice that the lady has a handicap sign. And I look, and I see she has white hair. I said, it's an old lady. She's screaming at this young lady. is screaming at an old lady. So she moves her color a bit more. Now she's coming at an angle facing west, and she's still screaming at her. Now watch how awesome this gets. The old lady is just looking straight. She's old. And this girl's young screaming at her. So now the lady on her next lane that's next to the old lady rolls her window and says, hey, what the F is your problem? <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, 
Someone else just got involved here. So now she's young, she's young. The ladies, and I was like, they're both going to fight. And she's like, what's your problem? You, you want, well, and then I'm, I'm going to be careful because I don't want to slip and say a bad word. But, but she, because then they're like, oh, I can't believe the pastor cursed. I'm telling you a story. And then she, <laughs> she starts to say, well, you, she forgets about the old lady. And she's now, she's fighting two people. She's cursing out that lady. Come on, get out of the car. And then I'm like, whoa. So what did I do? My wife said, just rego. She knows me. Rego. And I rolled down my window. Rego. Rego, what are you doing? And I rolled down my window. And I said, Hey! And now the lady looks at me, and she probably thought I was going to say, you are, you know. And I said, I go, hey. And she looks at me. She stops screaming at the other people because now she's right next to me. And I go, Jesus loves you. <laughs> Ask Nancy if I'm not lying. <laughs> I said, hey, Jesus loves you. You know what the lady did? <laughs> she just took off. What is she going to say? I had to shut her up. So, so she thought when I rolled down my window, I was going to say, you are such a, but I didn't do that. I rolled down my window and, I, and, and part of me, I wanted to, that's an old lady, you moron, but I didn't do that. I just rolled down my window and all I said was, Jesus loves you. And the lady just looked at me so confused. She, she, went, she was about to scream back at me when I said, hey, she goes, and when I said Jesus loves you, she goes, she was so confused. She stopped fighting with everyone. And she drove off. You know how I felt, right? <laughs> Let me tell you how I felt. This is your story. I got, I, got, I got on. I put up the window. <laughs> I took care of this. I'll be running in 2020. I know how to solve the world's problems. It's with one simple phrase. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. You want to make America great again? Tell America that Jesus loves them. Come on. Come on. Jesus loves them. Jesus loves people, man. Oh, man, he loves. My wife had a fun day that day, and We've been saving the story for this day. Oh, man. In the book of Mark, chapter 12, verse 30 and 31, it's where this quote is based off. They come up to Jesus to try to trick him and say, come on, teacher, tell us what's the greatest commandment of them all. They want to see what he said, see if they could imprison him and eventually kill him. So Jesus looks at this man who was trying to trick him, who didn't do it with a gentle heart. And he says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. That is the first and greatest commandment. But do you know he doesn't stop there? Because you see, Jesus is all about giving glory to God. But Jesus is also all about loving people. And the second one is just like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these two. So we read this and we recognize this in our mission statement in our church. I don't know if you know our mission statement. It's in the front of this booklet, actually. And our mission is to ignite an authentic love for God and people. That's our mission statement. It's so simple. We're not a paragraph. 
It's one sentence. Ignite an authentic love for God and people. And the only way that you could ignite that is if you first have received God's love. I'm going to just read more scripture and let scripture do what scripture does. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul, writing to the church of Corinth, you've read this before, but I'm going to read it again. Let it sink on good soil again. I'm going to read on verses 1 through 7. Just listen to it. Here's love for you guys. This is true love right here. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. All noise, no action. It's not true love is what Paul's saying. You know people that just say, I love you, but Jack, not one drip of them shows love. Right, that's what Paul's saying. All noise, no action. I'm going to make a point in a second that love motivates action. But whatever, we'll talk about that after. Verse 2, if I had the gift of prophecy... <clears throat> And if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith and I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up and never loses faith. Come on. It, that's why I'm not worked out about all this stuff. You know why? Because my love hasn't lost faith. My, you should have been here on Wednesday, really, because we did a whole teaching on this. But I belong to another country, another kingdom. My citizenship is in heaven. My love never loses faith. My love is always hopeful. Some people are like, I don't understand it. How can you just love me when I just told you my story and I said, how can I not love you? How can we not love each other? It's hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. I read this passage in 1 Corinthians 13, and this is what a Christian is. This is what Christ's love really is, these verses right here. Do you understand that God loves us because of who he is? not because of who we are. Did you get that? If we can just grasp this one thing, that he loves me, and his love for me is immutable, his love for me is unconditional, if we could just grasp this, if we could just believe it, that we are loved, man, we would rock this world with our love for others. I want to really now share a passage that I just want to sit on for a little bit, and if you can, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 7 with me. There's so many passages I could have picked, really. There's so many stories I could have chosen. But I chose this one for, for some specific reasons. It's a, it's a passage that if you're of the house here, we, um, we've read this before. And it's in Luke chapter 7. If you could open up there and um, put your eyes on verse 36. Let's read through it and then I'll give you guys some points. We ready? It says, so one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home, and he sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city, I mean, NLT's being, being nice. She's a prostitute. Okay? When a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume, some expensive oil. I'm wondering why she had access to the Pharisee's house. That's a whole other message for a whole other day. Verse 38. <laughs> then she knelt 
behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. She kept kissing Jesus' feet and putting perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, to himself, if this man were really a prophet, he would know that what kind of woman is touching him. She's a, she's a sinner. What a religious man. So then Jesus answered his thoughts and he said, Simon, which is the Pharisee's name, he said, I have something to say to you. And Simon says, go ahead, teacher. And he says, a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved more after that? So Simon, the Pharisee, so wise, so smart, so understanding. He says, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said, that's right. And then he turned to the woman and said to Simon the Pharisee, he said, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time that I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. Verse 46 you neglected the courtesy of oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet. You know, that's, that's, you have to understand Judaism in the time. You could, have, you could have anointed my head, which is not this, that despicable, but she was able to go to my feet, which is the most despicable part to touch in, the Ju in Judaism culture. She didn't even start in what's clean. She started in the filth of my feet. She anointed it with this rare, with this costly perfume. You know, you got to study that perfume because prostitutes in these days would use that perfume to, to, to win the men over, to, to entice them, to, to lay with them and, and receive money. So this was a, a perfume that she would use to sin with, and what she used to sin with is now at the feet of Jesus. What she used to entice these men is now laid out before the presence of God. Verse 47 says, I tell you that her sins, and there are many, they have been forgiven. She has, shown me, she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows little love. So Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And the man at the table said amongst himself, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. How many of you can say amen? amen. Let's talk about this for a moment. Here's one man, and here's this woman, and here's Jesus. There was a crowd around them for sure. Whenever Jesus was around, there was people all over the place. And here was one man who was known as a religious leader. A man of the Old Testament. Flow with me. A man that memorized, memorized the Pentateuch. A man who memorized the first five books of the Bible, the law. He knew Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Number, and Deuteronomy by heart. He knew all of its laws by heart. I mean, this was a man that supposedly lived by God's word and taught God's word, was respected by being a man of God's word. This is a man that supposedly, and I use this with all the sense of using it, this is a man that, quote, unquote, knows love. Because he's a religious man. He's a man of the church. He's a man of the temple. You know, those church people, man, they know God, man, and, and they know love. 
And that's what he was. He was a church man. He was a, a religious leader. And the one that knows love in this passage is actually the one that is absent of demonstrating love. You see that? And then there's this woman who we've kind of already clarified as a prostitute and a woman with many, many sins. Did you notice how Jesus said that? Her sins, which are many. She's a woman of of much sin. And and this is one who we would say lacks love. We know that, especially because of her job. She's looking for love and she's doing it with all these different kinds of... All right, you know what I'm talking about. And she's the one who lacks love. And in this story here, in this encounter with Jesus and Simon, the religious leader, the Pharisee, and this woman at the feet of Jesus, the one who lacks love is actually the one that is showing love. And I look at this story and I say, shouldn't it have been around? Turned around? Shouldn't it have been the religious man, the one that knew the word, the one that taught the word, the one that lived in the church? Shouldn't he have the one that grasped it and said, I know what to do here. This is love. But instead, I read the story and it's a sinful woman and she's at the feet of Jesus and she has not stopped but to show love. Come on, man. You know, I I think about this, and and I wrote this down. Sometimes it's at the end of ourselves when there is no worth, when all there is is shame and sin. There, there, and right then and there is where we experience love's true power and love's true meaning. When we're at our most shameful, but then we receive what real love is really all about. You've ever been at your most shameful and have experienced true love, and you're like, I have no idea how to define this true love? It's at the end of yourself where this woman was at. But here is this self-righteous man. I guess now we could see him as self-righteous, right? And he did not even move, live out and move in love. And the only reason why he didn't move and live out in love, I truly believe this, is because he really, he truly did not know love. See, I don't think that Jesus' purpose in going to the Pharisee's household for dinner I don't think it was to reveal to this Simon, the Pharisee, this religious leader. I don't think it was to reveal to him how much he lacks of love. I don't think so. I actually think that the reason why Jesus goes to this Pharisee's house was to actually to reveal to the woman who lacks how much she actually is loved. Maybe I can explain it this way. Ready? Sometimes we have a view of Christ and it's like this. We think that the, this is who Christ is, ready? That he wants to show us and prove to us and correct us on how much we are lacking. But how about if I say, if you do that, you have the wrong view of Jesus? How about instead, the correct view of Christ is this, ready? Is that Christ wants to actually show you and prove to you how much he loves you. Not how bad you are and how Short you've fallen, but to actually show you, no, I actually love you. And let that take over your life and you'll see you'll get where you need to get to. I've had that view before. So you know what I've done with my life? I've lived in condemnation. I've lived defeated many times because Christ is ashamed of me. And then I come to recognize he's not. He wants to actually show me that he still loves me today. Jesus, his interaction with the Pharisee, with the religious man, it was not one of love. Did you notice that in the story? Because I believe that this Pharisee was dulled. Religion 
dulled relationship. He was so religious that he forgot about relationship. What I mean by that is this. He kept all the traditions. He said all the prayers. He knew all the songs. He memorized all the scriptures. But he rejected the intimacy with Jesus. Come on. Man, may we never be a people. And may, may I never become a Christian that follows all the tradition and knows how to pray and knows how to worship and knows how to do all these traditional things. But I lack I lack to get into presence and into intimacy with God. The religious leader knows a lot. But he didn't experience Christ. And what good was all his knowledge without his experience? You see, it's good to know about God. But don't get so caught up knowing everything about God that you forget to experience the presence of God. Because here is a religious man who was honored in the streets, taught in the temples, respected by many, 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 but rejected intimacy. How do I know he rejected intimacy with Jesus? Because Jesus told him, watch this, I'll prove it to you. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she's washed them from with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't even greet me with a kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of giving me oil to anoint my head, but she has not stopped to anoint my feet with her perfume. Do you get it? Do you get it? Hey, Simon, Pharisee. Here's the woman at my feet. Here are you. Who's got the real problem here? The one that's lost in intimacy or the one that is so religious that I don't know when was the last time you've been into me? She's, oh, her sin is a lot. It's plenty. But right now, she's where she needs to be. She's in intimacy. And here you are, and you feel like your sins are not a lot, but you've done the worst thing. You've rejected it. You've rejected it, and you're not in presence. You've rejected me, and you've lost intimacy with me. And it's so easy to fall in that when we serve the Lord for a while. It's so easy to get dulled by each other. It's so easy to, instead of loving you, to now start hating you. It's so easy to come up here and do this as a job and a duty rather than a calling. It's so easy to do things out of pressure and out of because I have to rather than I'm honored and I get to. It's so easy to become religious that I forget about my relationship and intimacy with God. It's so easy to live outside of God's love while still basking and saying or boasting and saying that I actually know God's love. It's, it's easy to fall into that place. And here is this sinful woman who is not even worthy of a name. Did you catch that? She's just a woman with many sins. And we didn't even name her. We named the other jerk. His name is Simon. But the woman is of no worth. She doesn't even get a name here. Luke doesn't even write her name. She doesn't. But what's beautiful about her is that she doesn't stop. She dives right into intimacy and the result of such intimacy is to know such great love and to be forgiven much. Did you read the end of the story? Oh, man, she was forgiven a lot. So she's now able to love a lot. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says this. It says, 
Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sin. Love covers sin. You know that it doesn't end in this story? I mean, I could go off and off. There's so many. I think about the woman that Jesus is in the temple of God. Jesus is in God's house. Everyone say God's house. Yeah. And who do they bring to her? A woman who is caught in the very act of adultery. You've heard me preach that before. You better believe they didn't probably even let her get dressed. They brought her right in naked and shameful. Here she is, Jesus. I know you're teaching and I know you're in God's house. But here she is. Moses is lost. Has stoned her killer. Come on. What are you going to do? They, they, they do that with the woman caught in adultery. I think about the story of Zacchaeus, one of the most despised men of his town. And what, you know how despised he is? That he doesn't even get into the crowd to find Jesus. Yes, he's a short stature, but still, he still doesn't get into the crowd. He's of high rank. He could have gotten men to get him to the front of where Jesus is, but he was scared for his life. You know what he does? He gets on a tree, and Jesus sees him and says, Zacchaeus, get down here. Today I'm going to go to your house. Not the religious people. Not to the temple, I'm going to go to your house. He does it in John chapter 4. There's a woman at the well of Samaria, and she's drawing out water. He says, hey girl, can I have some water? She says, whoa, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. We don't like each other. We have a lot of beef. We have a lot of problems. We don't really do this kind of stuff. What are you doing talking to me? And Jesus just wows her that he is the son of God. I mean, it's all over scripture. That Jesus is showing love. Jesus is acting out in love. I think about those who are demon possessed. I think about the thief that is on the cross. Do you understand that the thief that is on the cross never lived out a day of his salvation and yet he is in heaven? Some of you are like, well, that's not fair. Well, you're not God. He never lived a day of his salvation. He's like, hey, can you remember me? And God's like, heck yeah, today you're going to be with me in eternity. That's all it took. He didn't, have to, he didn't have to get discipled. He didn't have to tithe. He didn't have to do church membership. He didn't have to preach to one person. He didn't have to save a soul to get to heaven. Because it's not about who you are. Jesus loves you because of who he is. Because of who he is. And who are we not to show that love? Instead, we... We bicker and we complain and we find reasons to fight with one another. We got to really check our hearts and see if God's love actually, is it truly, is it really in me? One of the greatest examples of Jesus showing love, what he chose to do each day of his ministry is when he did life with a man by the name of Judas Iscariot. A man that he knew was of the devil. A man he knew who was going to betray him. And yet Jesus loved him and washed his feet and loved him. He chose love. Jesus always chose love. And he loved us because of who he is. I'm going to read a passage that I believe is going to bless your life. And I read it and it blessed me. Here it is. It's Psalm 103, verses 11 and 12. Listen to this. For his unfailing love, for his unfailing love toward those who fear him, is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. His unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. Why does God love us so much? He's removed my sins as far as the east is from the west. Micah 7.19 tells us that he has compassion on us, that he cast all our sin into the depths of the sea. No scientist could even tell you how deep that goes. 
I look at these scriptures and I recognize that love, like I said earlier, motivates action. His love motivated his actions. Think about how it led him to the cross. Why did Jesus be led to the cross? Why was he led to the cross? Because he loved us. So what's the difference with us? No wonder Jesus says what? Pick up your cross daily. Because when you pick up your cross daily, you choose to love before anything else. Man, I hope that sinks in. So what's your agenda? What's your purpose of doing, of saying, of living the way you live? Say what you say, act how you act. Jesus' love motivated his actions. What's the difference with me? Check out this passage. It's going to bless you. Zephaniah chapter 3. It says this. I believe it's verse 17. If I'm not mistaken, Zephaniah 317. It says, for the Lord your God is living among you. Listen to this. This is powerful. He is a mighty savior and he will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, man, he will calm all your fears. But I love this part. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. You want to know what the ESV says? He will quiet you by his love and he will exalt over you with loud singing. You know this if you've been in love. You start to sing. Some of you men like, not me. You sang. If you've been in love, you sang. You sang. And we get those funny songs that these people sing. Ooh, baby, I love the way every day. Hey, I want to be with you night and day. And we start washing dishes and we're singing some funky song. People start looking at us a little weird. It's like, what's up with you, man? I, I love, put, let's leave it up there. Leave Zeph and I up there. I love this passage because with his love, he calms our fears with his love he rejoices over us with loud with joyful songs with loud singing and can you just stop for a moment and can you picture Christ in eternity and and there's a love from the Lord your God that rejoices over you with loud singing I wonder what that means you know what I'm saying I'm wondering what that's really all about I'm wondering if I when I get to heaven and I walk in he looks at me and he just starts singing songs of love to me the very first time that I saw your brown eye I wonder like what is he going to do with me or maybe he'll just say something like I love you Oh, how I love you. Oh, how I love you. Maybe he'll start singing that song. But he tells us, oh, how I loved you. He, here we are on a Sunday. Get into that song. Betsy, how, 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 I, how, how, you, how I love you. Come on, Betsy. And we, and we do this. Us, oh. Come on. Sing, sing it, sing it. He loves yeah. us. We sing that song. Oh, oh how he loves us. Oh, how he, he loves us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
we sing that song, right? Oh, oh how he loves us. Right, right. You know, stop for a moment. And we sing that song, oh, he loves us. Oh, he loves us. Oh, he and here we are in this nest, and, and here we are at church, and we're saying, oh, he loves us. But what about heaven's song is not singing the same song? How about he saying, oh, I love you. Hey, how about if he switched it on us today, and instead of us saying, oh, how much he loves us, he's actually declaring in the heavens what? Oh, how I love you. Oh, how I love you. Oh, how I love you. Can you imagine that? Can you think about that? One more time. I love you. Oh, how I love you. Oh, how I love you. Oh, right, right. Get ready. Because, because then he sees Zacchaeus. And he says, get down from that tree because, oh, how I love you. And then he tells the prostitute woman who's at his feet, hey, baby girl, I love you. Oh, how I love you. And then he looks at the woman who is caught in adultery, who should have been murdered and killed. And he says, no, oh, how I love you. And he looks at you today and he says, oh, I love you. Can I tell you something? I feel from the Lord to tell you this today. God does not like sin. He actually hates sin. But have you ever thought for once that he actually loves Hillary Clinton and he actually loves Donald Trump? Have you thought about praying for them? Have you thought about lifting them up in prayer? You didn't like that? He loves them too. He wants them to be saved. He wants them to know Jesus. He wants them to know God. He wants Hillary to bow to his knees. He wants Donald to bow to his knees. And he's singing the same song. Oh, how I love you. How I love you. How I love you. Let's sing it one more time.